one. So if you were looking for Mr. Powell to be dovish, you were disappointed. And the market reacted to it. The battle for 4300 is on. We got some earnings, some good. Solar stocks getting absolutely smoked. CC Legator, talk about the VIX at 835. Some interesting things going on. It's Friday. We're going to get through this week. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Welcome, traders and investors, to the final show of the week. S&P's starting out in the red. Six and three quarters handles. We're just about mid-range on the session. Friday low for the week. Well, we made a low on Friday, 42.83 in the quarter. Getting unchanged above 43.03. That's what the bulls need to do. The buck is down a nickel, back down under 106, 105.95. <laughs> the bonds are up 10, 30 seconds, but we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, crude rising toward ninety dollars on geopolitical tensions, up a buck twenty-seven at eighty-nine sixty-four. Gold moving in on the two K mark again. Let's see if I stick to my guns and actually sell it at two K this time. Up nine eighty, nineteen ninety thirty. Silver back in the twenty-three handle. That's up twenty-seven cents at twenty-three, twenty-three thirty-one. And Bitcoin back over thirty K. That's having a rally. That's up one thousand one hundred and eighty-five dollars. At 30085 that is the futures. And uh, Triple D, we're coming to the end of another week. We have options expiration. We have not such a dovish uh, comments from the Fed yesterday. And you've got geopolitical tensions here at the worst they've been in my entire lifetime. So are you bullish? Uh. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Um, stocks are definitely oversold in certain sectors. And you keep thinking, you got to get a relief rally eventually here. But then you look at what just happened with the solar stocks. And maybe this oh. is a thing to talk about here. Obviously, it's earnings from solar edge. But this is not just a solar edge problem. What this is, is a rates problem. This is a financing problem. A lot of these companies, these solar companies, these are big projects that require financing. And when you're doing the, you know, the, the, you know, when you're crunching the numbers and figuring out is the project a go or not, those discount rates matter. When you start crunching it out with your CFA hat, it's like, well, the solar project doesn't make sense maybe at 6% rates or 7%, or maybe you're boring at 8 or 9%. Some of these don't, you know, make sense. So, at case in point, I own a solar project. I actually own a physical solar project that I did, and people maybe not know about this. I did Long about 10 ago. years ago. And this is when rates were very low, you know, at 2%. So, you know, financing on something like this is 4%. So you're crunching the numbers. And back then, I could get an internal rate of return of 15%, which was solid. You know, that, that was when solar was just these solar panel roof project. 
So you're like, boom, 15% internal rate of return, financing a four, you're picking up 11 points. It makes sense. Well, now you look and one, some of these solar projects have come down significantly, you know, like with the returns that you can get. So some of the IRRs maybe are lower, like 10 or 11. Then you look at the discount rate at eight, maybe you're borrowing and you're picking up two, three points. And it's like, well, that's a hell of a lot of work to pick up two, three points. So the problem with a lot of these solar companies, I think projects are getting killed, meaning they're like, no, we're not doing this project, which leads us into solar edge. So it's not just a matter of like debt, how much companies on the books. It's like how much of your product that you're selling requires financing. If it's the majority of it, some projects are getting killed. Generators, people keep asking me what's happening to GNRC. It's the same thing. It requires major financing and people are, you know, it's a luxury item and people are saying no. So it's the same thing that's going to happen with the automotive industry. I think it's going to fall off a cliff in 2024. Big ticket stuff is going to start not selling well at all because the financing is just out of hand. So well, you also rates had are the building, the big ticket stuff. You had the building and you also, didn't you do some of the construction on it by yourself with your dad? So, oh, I had to put a steel roof on because right. okay. and okay. my dad did roofing all the years. So yeah, we did the steel roof oh, ourselves, but boy, we didn't boy. install the solar panels. So I had to hire that out. It was a nice little project. And I tried to do some other solar projects back then too. Internal rate of return was nice. Um, it was difficult to get the contracts, you know, actually, because it was government contract. But that's the side story. It's a different environment we're in here now. But the, the, now. the issue is, if I was getting 6 or 7% risk-free rate, you know, and then you're financing on these things that are eight or nine, and you're only picking up two or three points, Not the projects get killed. So, which brings us to Money Mitch, bring Money Mitch in here, and he can tell us about the solar edge earnings. The Fed is burning. The Fed is burning. So, look at the Look at the warning. This is, this is higher interest rates killing this business, folks. Yeah. This is what this is. So, that's Money this, Mitch, this give right us here, those right? numbers. This is higher interest rates doing their work. Treasuries. Up to five percent, right? That that's exactly where this yeah. is stemming from. At five percent overnight. That's the ten years. That's not financing. That's the risk-free rate to go and like stick your risk-free money in. So financing on a lot of these projects is probably eight or nine percent or maybe higher here right now. Let's get to the uh, solar news here. Of course, Solar Edge, a solar technology company, reported preliminary results here. Lower than expected Q3 revenues of $720 million to $730 million due to cancellations and delay in their European distributor network. Uh, this was attributed to higher inventory levels and slower installation rates. So uh, Solar Edge gross margins also fell below expectations with a range of 20.1 to 20.1% uh, compared to the previous range, which was at 28 and 31%. Uh, this comes also off the heels of just an upgrade just yesterday by JP Morgan on First mm. Solar. They had put an upgrade on First Solar to overweight with a 220 price target, saying that the company's backlog and medium-term growth prospects, um, and although there was concerns about the new U.S.-based manufacturing and rising interest rates affecting the solar industry, then why come in here and upgrade this? And they, again, you can they look said and risk and reward. And Mitch, you can get in the value trap here. When you go into your Benzinger Pro and your details and you look at the Ford P and you see 10, you're like, well, how can you go wrong? How can you go wrong is if that revenue drops as much as they're predicting it to drop, which they're giving you that now. Yeah. 720 million versus 909 million. And then you start looking, the EPS is getting, margins getting squeezed. 
that P is probably going a lot higher here now. So the stock price goes down in the P. The E ends up falling faster than yeah. the P. Then the P goes up. Basic grade one math, fractions. So this is the issue with all of these stocks. I And, and until, again, the rates start to turn around, until you see a sustained rally in the TLT, not a 50-cent rally like we're getting today. Like a sustained rally, like Fed speaks saying, look, we screwed up. We got to start, you know, lowering rates here. We got to start, stop, at least stop raising rates here because we can see the writing on the wall here that there's a lot of people, a lot of businesses who are hurting because of our high rates. Solar companies are in major trouble here, man, with the rates this high. The only technical thing I can give you here is there someone's nibbling a little bit here between 80 and a half and 81. There's absolutely no reference here. Their next daily low or next monthly low comes in at 72. So the only that's the only thing I can give you a psychological $80 level. But man, there has been like the bounces here have just been so limited. But uh, if you want to be a hero. And you want to try and buy this at 81.75, man. You better hope that 80.50 buyer doesn't disappear. This this could be one of those sessions where it's just sleepy, you know, like 81, 82, 83, and then it opens up at like 84, and then, you know, maybe has a rally. I'm not even going to talk about resistance because I have absolutely no idea. First Solar is holding up a lot better. That's uh, that's only down seven bucks, but you don't know when they're going to come for that. Uh, what do you have? Yeah. Probably the low of the move, first slower. I have a reference point for you there, folks. At least I could give you a number. Uh, someone had been nibbling at the 143 area back earlier in the month, so you're still two bucks above that. CSIQ can't go down as much because it's a lower price stock. It looks like that's moving in on the low of the move. My uh, gosh, but, these solar stocks. Yeah. They're all it's down. A trade. Yep. Give, give perspective here. SCDG oh. is down since we are talking about you know the end of July. So one, two, in three months, yeah. SCDG is down sixty-five percent. That is a crash. That is better than a crash. That is a double crash. That yep. is just an epic disaster. But it's not just that one. ENPH was the leader here on the downside. It started oh, falling true. before any of the other ones did. Obviously, it hasn't fallen as much in the last three months because it's given it all back. It was $339 down to 150 It already had its 65% fall. Could they fall another 65%? Well, they could do anything here. I mean, there's major issues, obviously, with financing. But, you know, SunPower, a darling in the 2020, 2021. We had some great trades on it. It was one of my best trades of the year where I took it from like 6 bucks to 50 You know, it was really good. But, I mean, it's all the way round trip down to $5 here now, all the way back. CSIQ, lots of analysts upgrading and liking this stock. It's been halved in the last three months from 40 to 20. So it's not just Solar Edge; it's all of them. And what do they all have in common? Financing. The buyers of their products need financing, and financing is likely a lot harder to get when the risk-free rate has climbed this high. So GNRC, same story. I'm taking it on the chin on that. Lithium producers. I think your car producers. I think all of this is coming if rates continue to stay as high as they are a lot of projects being killed a lot of people not buying new cars a lot of people holding back on big ticket stuff they'll still buy the necessities they'll still splurge and maybe go to a restaurant here and there but i mean the big ticket stuff is really getting hit the hardest and here now Joel. we have to keep remind of what was said just yesterday right what did pal say 
Well, the path is likely to be bumpy and take some time. My colleagues and I are united in our commitment to bringing inflation sustainably down to 2%. So I don't think these rates are going any time soon, guys. Their goal is 2%. And until they get to that level, it could take some times. It could be a bumpy road too. So I think we're in for that bumpy time. And that that's going to come. Guys, um, we could get a little seasonality lift, but other than that, I don't see a really good 24 coming soon. I don't know how any of these stocks start turning around again without the TLT. So I'm going to keep, I keep tweeting it. You know, there's no sense loading up on stocks until we start seeing the bond market at least stabilize. The bonds yeah, are still in free fall here. There's just no point. People are asking how much cash in the long-term portfolio. I was looking last night, it's 59% cash. It was 55. You want to know why it's up to 59? Because I haven't bought any stocks, down. and the stocks are going down that are in the portfolio. So it's up to 59. Yeah, Eventually, if stocks go low enough, it'll be 100% cash on its own. That's all yeah, the stocks God, be at God. zero. <laughs> That's how it works. The stocks start going up. But again, it's all about asset allocation, folks. Like People can make fun of me on GNRC as much as they want. But my long-term portfolio is about 10% off the highs. Yep. It's not fabulous, but that's the one that contains ALB and GNRC. You know why it's only 10% off the all-time highs? Cash. Because I have a lot of cash. What drives long-term performance, people don't realize this, it's not your individual stock picks, it's your asset allocation. That's what does it. So when you're conservative, you can have really bad stock picks, but you're sitting 55% cash, you're not going to get hit hard, as hard as the next guy here. So part of me, again you know, considers I'm only 10% off the all-time high here. Part of me still thinks I should just liquidate everything, sell the ALBs and all the other things, go to 100% cash. I think worse times are coming. But I think we're going to get more bounces. I think we're going to get more opportunities. I probably should have did a 437 spy. I don't know if I'll ever do that. I, again, you know, it's not like this is money that I need. It's not that money. You got to think that this too shall pass. And if you have a 10 or 20-year time horizon, going to 100% cash is always bad because we're never time to turn. The bonds could just rip one day, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, that was the bottom. I just sold the bottom. So, I mean, I think if you're a long-term investor, you still have to hold some stocks. I think it's just about, you know, in cautious times, you raise up the cash a bit. So that, you know, when it does get ugly, you can do some buying. Because right now, if you're sitting 100% invested, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm in the queues. I'm good. You know, I'm good, man. You know what? It's coming for you, too, honey. Hey, Dennis, quick question from Eric M., who uh, likes to like to trade similar to you, do use the stock odds. Do you change your approach to hedging over the weekend, considering we have heightened geopolitical risk? The only thing I consider over the weekend, and I, it is a good question, is a lot of times I'm biased to be long oil over the weekend lately. Because if you get more tensions, then oil stocks perform better. And I, I and a lot of times I like to own like Lockheed Martin and NOC General Dynamics because some things do happen over the course of a couple of days, get escalations over there. Those trades pay off to a certain extent. So I'm telling you that still, you know, again, I was, you know, bearish oil until we got this extra, you know, obviously, um, you know, Catalyst. war going on in Israel that came out of the blue and that changes everything. You know, I was bearish a lot of the defense providers because they got a lot of debt on the books, but that changes everything. Yeah. So, you know, it initially popped and, you know, obviously, you know, it's it's followed through here and maybe that makes a lot of sense. Now, again, you know, if we get some de-escalation, that trade can go the other way too. And that's what we hope for is de-escalation. But I mean, I don't think we're in the de-escalation period in Israel here yet, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm looking to see if oil eventually runs to that 100 spot. That's what I said right after the war mentioned. I think we get there 
um, to 100 at least. Now, the only question is, will it turn around from there? But uh, my favorite chart, just to kind of mention an oil name that has been hot as of late since Monday, is Chevron. Uh, I think that chart's just prime for a nice run. So just want to put that one out there and definitely keep an eye on it. 170 is going to be an important fight. But after this, it's going to be looking pretty good. All, all that matters to the oil stocks right now is what's happening with the war. If we get escalations, oil goes higher. We get de-escalation, oil comes down. So it's hard to be bearish oil when all this turmoil is happening. Yeah, there's too much out there. I don't think it's yes. going to just be a quick turnaround. And what does Israel keep saying? Yeah, it's going to be a long, long time. So we'll yeah. see what happens yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, let's move to Night Swift. I didn't know this one, uh, but hey. You learn something new every day. Q3 adjusted EPS, 41 cents beats the 36 cent estimate. Sales of 2.2 billion beat the 1.89 billion estimate. Night Swift Transportation Holdings tightened fiscal year adjusted EPS guidance from $2.10 to $2.30, now down to $2.10 and $2.20. Their estimate was $2.07, so maybe that's why they got a little lift, but they did take the guidance down, so it's interesting to see this big of a pop. JP Morgan came in this morning trying to help it out with an upgrade to neutral, but they raised price target to 57 KNX here. In the transportations? Yeah, you're getting a lift here, and it's a bit, you know, whoever is shorting this off the number here, you're getting squeezed here, too. I guess they weren't. It went straight up. But this thing got to, like, 55 bucks last night. I was shaking my head. I'm like, are you kidding me? On this quarter? This wasn't even that great of a quarter. And the guidance looks to me like a lower. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're reading something wrong here. I didn't give it, you know, more than 10 seconds of thought because I'm not a big KNX trader here. But I just, like, look at this and think, like, wow. If I was long this thing, you know what I'd be doing. Fifty-five seventy-five is what it got to on that. I mean, I don't know how it, much. It's wild. so broken, Joel. The algos have broken the market oh. on like earnings and stuff. Stuff just gets no liquidity. They all go wide. There's nobody, and maybe there never was, but it just seems like you know Netflix going up seventeen percent, Tesla going down seventeen percent. I mean, or whatever it was, twelve percent. I mean. Just ridiculous moves in both directions. You can really get run over even on the short side, though. That's what this is telling you. It's just not necessarily like short it and forget it. Netflix, you get run over on the short side. K and X are getting run over on the short side. So it's not always easy for shorts either. Ah, uh, boy, just uh, I'm just looking at the recent move here coming down from over the $60 level, hitting the low of the move yesterday. All these people getting their money back here. Uh, between 53 and a half and 54 and a half on the dailies, the 50% retrace of the re recent move. So you're off 579. If boy, oh boy, it would have been tough not to read the register at that area. Now see what happens. Now I think you just got to look at this, uh, the three day high. And uh, if you can't get over, well, 5128, it's still above that. But man, they got to juice this thing and there's got to be offers. I'd look at all those daily highs and put some offers out there that that's a big move and it's back four bucks off that uh that pre or after hours high for knx sympathy we are rolling over here once again if you are uh, wondering why we are rolling over uh, look no farther than our lovely tlt once again here we were up 70 80 cents this morning it's like oh we're getting a relief pop here that is now all gone we have now turned red again on our tlt the bonds cannot sustain any type of a rally. They need to figure it out. These bond traders are now killing the equity traders. They got to stop selling.
Intuitive Surgical Q3 EPS here $1.46 beats the $1.41 estimate. Sales of $1.74 billion misses the $1.77 billion estimate. And this just kind of shows a little bit also of maybe higher interest rates, you know, not not as many surgeries getting done. What do you guys think about that perspective, at least? Do you think that's yeah. playing in on this company? Yeah, I think so. I think a little bit. A lot of that's done with Medicare and stuff. So I yeah. don't know. If, if there may be some elective surgeries in there, though. Maybe some people don't. I, I don't know if that's as much of an issue here or not. But stock's down 16 bucks. I don't follow the company closely enough to you know get a feel for We can go look in there details. You got to ask stuff the, like doctor, the doctor and... of the group. Joel, did, do you got any insight? Yeah, yeah. Joel no, should know this company. No, I, just, I would just say, you know, you had, um, you know, pent-up demand. Uh, from the pandemic, right? Yeah, and then, you, you know that—that's what you know, gave that, it the lift, right? It gave it the lift here. Oh uh, uh, yeah, that's a good it, call, Joel. Yeah, that's and, gone uh, now. Yep, that's gone now. I would just—I would look at two fifty here. That's a monthly low. You got uh, four thick red monthly candles on the red side. So if you, you know, if you're looking for a bounce on this thing. Charts didn't indicate that. Next monthly low, 250 and change. Don't know if you will get it down 22, 23 bucks, but maybe over the next couple of days. Coming back on the upside, whew, the bottom of yesterday's range is uh, 271.71. I don't, that's 14 bucks away. I don't think you have a chance to see that. So 143.6 bucks. The PE on this puppy going forward. Benzinger Pro has it at 42. Current PE, 68. Oh. Don't like to buy in bear markets. I don't buy peas of 68. Pass. American Express AXP Q3 adjusted uh, EPS here at $3.30 beats to $2.94 estimate. Sales of $15.38 billion beat the $15.36 billion estimate. The Q3 total network volume at $420.2 billion, up 7%. Um, what do you guys think? AXP. Dumbest trade, like uh, easy. This, this, this is how it's dumb the market is here right now. So it gets bet up a couple bucks last night. I'm like, I'll take the shot. I'll short the thing ahead of the report because you know what? If it beats and rallies, it probably gives it back. And if it misses, it gets killed. So I like the setup when it was up at 151 last night ahead of the report. Um, and here we are. It actually rallies. I take major heat on this thing. It went to like 154. I didn't cover. I'm like, you know what? I think it probably comes back down. One, because I look at the chart and it was a key reversal from yesterday. So I got a lot of longs that are caught. Two, yeah, the quarter was good, but we're in a bear market here and rallies often don't hold. So especially in financial companies here. So I didn't cover. I just covered it now. It came all the way back in. So I just covered it. The main reason I covered it because I wanted to talk the stock and I didn't want to like, you know, be in it when I was talking. It. So did you take it off it. your screen? Did you take was it was it a J? Yeah, I didn't even look at it. Same thing. I did this three times this week. Three that times. Is, I did Johnson and Johnson, which I took major heat on. It came all the way back down. I did Procter and Gamble, the PG I lost on because it didn't really come in much. So the PG was bad. And I did it on American Express just now, but it seems to be working. I mean, that's maybe when you know it's getting too easy for the bears here. When you're just like, I was blindly short the stock into the report. If it goes up, it probably comes back down. And if it goes down, it probably continues to go down. So I've argued this entire earnings season, if you were short every stock going into the reports, the last earnings season, you were probably doing pretty well because the ones that go up seem to give it back after a few days and the ones that go down just go lower. Bear markets, 101.
that if if you were in school right now, you would hear something over the announcement coming and say, uh, Dennis Dick, will you please come down to the principal's office? Because that is not your style of trading. And we've known that from over the years. But so. you can break the rules. You can break <laughs> rules and you can do different Love. things when you identify patterns. Pattern like recognition it. trumps all. And holy macro, we started mm -hmm. to get hammered here once again. But pattern recognition trumps all. Look Say at this pattern. Again. I, I go ahead, Dennis. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying pattern recognition trumps all. So if you can identify that they're hammering most stocks through earnings, and I got to just say that we're just getting filled, 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 bot, bot, bot. Because, <laughs> yeah, and it's just arbitrage rates. I can't follow words. Tenants is like, like, man, dude. Yeah, I don't even want to look to the right what like, I have bot, right bot. now. And I'm like, what is happening here now? <laughs> Biden calls for more aid, Israel. I see on the screen. I don't know. But, anyways. <laughs> Oh, Taking man. it back, TLT's rolling over. Like TLT's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a second, Dennis. I'll give you a second to take a look. So, Go. So, of course, we were just talking about AXP. So here's Visa, right? And I'm going to show you both of the charts that I'm a little concerned. They're not exactly hand-in-hand, -hand, right? Visa and MasterCard trade a little bit closer to each other than AXP. But look at this similar last time, right? Uh, head and shoulders formed at the top. Then eventually in October, boom, you got the knockdown. Head and shoulders forming at the top. We're getting into late October. It's looking like a knockdown. Look at MasterCard. Does that look like a head and shoulders at the top? Yes. So at least in this I don't space, like any of these charts either. I don't want to be anywhere near these stocks. If if I would, I'd be running to the profits. Right? One like thing to consider is MasterCard and Visa are just basically transaction processors. So they just process the transactions and they don't hold the risk. They, they get that out. So they're structured a little bit differently. So they're just doing transaction. Transaction volumes start to go down. It hurts and impacts them. But they don't have, it's not like I'm not paying my MasterCard bill now and, you know, and everybody's going to default on their credit cards. They get, they take out a lot of that risk. They might hold some of it, but they get out a lot of that. American Express, I believe, does it differently where they hold some of that risk. So now, and again, maybe the chat's going to know something more than I do. I know the basics. You know, I, I know basic, I'm like the jack of all stocks. I'm master of none. That's kind of what I am. I know the basics of what the company does, kind of how they're structured usually, but I don't know like details on, you know, like intricate details on any stock, like jumping in and balance sheet stuff. And I know everything yeah. about Visa's balance sheet and everything there. Now that's why I use the Benzinga Pro and it, you know, enlightens me a little bit. So I'm basically jack of all stocks, master of none. So when I say something that may be inaccurate, correct me, because then I can learn something here too from a fundamental basis. But, you know, because I trade so many stocks, it's important to know their relationships more than anything. I want to know how it's related to other stocks. So I just know Visa and MasterCard, to your point, are very correlated together. And American yeah, Express is a little different because they structure and they do stuff and they hold a little bit of the risk from the process. They're not like Visa and MasterCard. They're not structured the same, fundamentally. All right. Anything you want to add on these charts, Joel? Do you also just view them as bearish charts? Uh... Uh, I'm just looking at this MasterCard. I'm like, wow. Man, if you haven't rung the register on that one, I don't you know, like <laughs> yeah. that has said it said structured differently, but holy mackerel. I mean that to me, that's basically at all time highs here. Um AXP, just a quick technical note. Uh the low and the close were at the same place yesterday. So if it does take out 149, uh you might get a look at 147.42. That was your October 9th low for AXP. But I mean, the thing is, is like are people when are people gonna stop spending? 
You know, I mean, it, it it's it, like you said, it's not so much the payments, yeah. but when I stop spending, you know, like I just don't have, I just can't go out to that dinner. You know, I when they start stop spending though, and this is like the whole thing, like this is Tom Lee, you know, and a lot of guests we've had on this show here too. It's like, well, look at everybody's still spending. The economy's still going strong. So, you know, like this is, you know, this is just showing you that the bull market continues here. But the stock market is now telling you something different. And what has happened is long-term interest rates have really skyrocketed here. So is it different this time? Is there actual a point in time where we break the consumer? That is the question. That's the ultimate question. I don't have that answer. I can only do predictions myself. But is there a point in time where we break the consumer and they actually start spending less? Yeah, they need to. That's the time where this market is really going to start getting ugly. But I think, Mitch, and I'll let you, I'll let you come yeah. chime in here in a second. I think the stocks are telling us that. Yeah. The stocks are now telling us a different story. And I always say the market doesn't predict well, you know, but maybe it does in this case. Maybe the market is predicting well because the S&P isn't because it's got those magnificent six, not seven anymore because Tesla got hit yesterday, still holding it up. Maybe they'll put Netflix instead for the magnificent seven. But I think there's a certain point here where the consumer does start spending less, especially on the big ticket stuff. The solar stocks are telling you that. The home builders are telling you that. I mean, you know, you can look at these home builders. Look at what they've done. Look at Lennar. These are stocks that Warren Buffett was buying you know, two weeks ago because there's a lot of that. apparent mm. value here. But the value will go down if people start having less money to build homes. Big ticket stuff is going to be in trouble. And I fear so much for the automotive. Like coming from, you know, Windsor, Detroit area, so many of my friends work on the Windsor, you know, on the line. I fear very much that if we go into a recession, that it's going to be very serious for the automotive companies. Uh, just one comment here. We've been going back and forth for a long time about recession, no recession. And I've, I've, tried to remain in the non-recession cap for really for like over oh, it's like this has been going on for like two years two and a half years in fact we had one guest that just absolutely just uh, a recession was evident it was happening the next day but now like the drive through it the mcdonald's drive through indicator and i mean there's just not as many cars there i mean it, it you guys are you guys are wearing me down a little bit on, on, on I mean, it, it, a lot Aww. of it is it's the price action. You're, Joel switching to the Bears? I'm not switching. I mean, there's, there's I mean, <laughs> we're, what, pushing you know, we're pushing them. Join the dark side. The dark Joel. side. No, I mean, no, I mean, no, I mean well, the cash power is king. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the only thing that, you know, I think about is, and, you know, I had some, uh, you know, some, uh, and I, and I haven't really thought this in a long time. I had some, uh, you know, some uh, T-bills roll and, uh, you know, it was, it was like, should I do six months, a year, year and a half, two years? And I'm, and I was just thinking, man, I was like, no, I got to lock in, you know, now. And now I'm like, man, oh, man, I, man, I maybe I'll just do six months and, you know, then do more at 6% or six and a half or wait for 13 like Rick Santelli. And I have not had those thoughts. I mean, I've been pretty like, okay, I'm going to roll. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to go out a year, year. But like when I had the opportunity to lock something in it like two years, I'm like, why are they offering me that at two years? Like why? And then, so that, that's one thing. And that's just less money going into the stock market. So you gotta, you gotta look at all different factors here. I mean, we talked the short-term trading, but you know where, you know, the money, your real money is in your long-term stuff. So what I think happens here is the consumer will have one more last hurrah, right? And I think this Holidays? Will, yeah. A, a lot of so that too. coming off of what November pause is what I'm going to call for. So the Fed comes in and pauses. 
which helps the market at least seem a lot better. Things start to come up. Seasonality comes into play. We get a little bit of some retail lift. And then everybody starts using a lot more Affirm this holiday. I'll say that one. Uh, and then as we go into the January oh, in 2024, that's when I see the consumer truly slow down. They have one more hurrah because the holidays are coming. And of course, like always, we'll go and spend and we'll put it on the credit card just to get the gifts for the kids. But yeah. in the long run, what ends up happening, the new year comes around and you're just squeezed. You're tight. You're super tight on spending. That's when I think we start to see the consumer. I, I think really so too, it. Mitch. I think it's a great call. I think we do see some you know, continued spending here. I think the fourth quarter earning, earnings could be okay. So maybe we're you know putting the cart before the horse. But I'll tell you what else, who else is putting the cart before the horse is the stock market now. The stock market is, if you think it predicts out six months, and I've always been skeptical of that, it's saying like first quarter 2024, there's going to be a lot of problems for a lot of companies. I mean, stocks like Solar Edge, you know, ENPH tan, you know, this is the yeah. ETF that owns them all. To, to Spinner's point, it's not like 60, like look at it in the even in the last like three months from 75 to 46. Like, what is that? 30 point fall down 50% in three months. Stocks don't fall 50% in three months for no reason. They fall because consumer demand for their products is falling off a cliff. We just saw it with Solar Edge. And again, that's a financing thing. So don't get caught like, and again, I'm talking against the General Motors and the Fords, but I know everybody's in there and they're like, well, they're going to settle. And there was rumors last night that they were getting closer to a deal on GM and you saw it popping up last night. Um, you know, nothing materialized here this morning. That's maybe why the stock is there. Well, no, stock's still up. So GM's still trading up because there was rumors that they're getting closer to a deal. That is going to be the opportunity to sell, I think, in this stock. Like, I think you're going to get a 5% pop the day they announce a deal. And it's going to be like, they're going to be like, yeah, now we buy because, you know, here we go. We got the deal. We're going. Now it's going to be like that, you know, honeymoon, you know, yeah, you know, you get the big 5% pop, all exciting. But then you're left with, you know, just, you know, after the fact. Not yeah, and the then fact is margins are squeezed margins. because of higher wages and then consumer demand falling off a cliff. I think 2024 is going to be an epically bad year for the automotive industry. Well, guess what, guys? It's option expiration. Honestly, I think we couldn't have got a better guess. So you guys out there, smash the like. CC Legator from Options AI joining us here on this Options Expiration. I put you on the schedule a long time ago. I love your your outlook um, on the markets here, and I, I really the notes that you sent over. I just I just want to go with that. It, there's nothing more frustrating for investors is when they think they have hedges on, and they're in the puts and they're in the VIX, and you get the down move. And you're flat on the trade. Yeah. Talk about what's going on with the VIX. Yeah, that is pretty, that's a great take on that. Yeah, and if you think about, you know, even this week, as volatile as the market has seemed this week, right? And if you would only know that if you were watching it intraday, right? You're watching, like, think about yesterday and how many times did, was it like down 1%, up 1%, down 1%, you know, like if you were watching like the cues or something yesterday, it was nuts, right? But at the end of the day, this sell-off has been very orderly. And, very. Right. And, and it's so it's not, there's, 
the levels of panic, we haven't seen those big, you know, like down 3%, down 4% days. It's been very orderly. And on top of that, it's actually been very easy to trim your stocks, to sell into rallies, right? You've been given multiple opportunities to get out of most stocks. And part of that, you know, and then to go to your question, Joel, if you've been buying puts waiting for that big, you know, that big swoosh down lower, you haven't really seen it, right? So to your to, to your exact example, you might have seen the market like creep lower by five or six percent. And you're like, all right, well, my puts weren't great, but at least I sold some stocks, right? And that backdrop is very interesting going into this expiration. If you remember the last time I was on the show, it was that big September expiration. Remember with like the triple witching and there was all this stuff coming off, right? And that was, if you think about that gamma backdrop and that ball backdrop to the market, it, it lends support you know, in a lot of cases where people have gone out and they've bought puts, the, you know, the market drops a little bit and they step in and they buy stocks. The VIX hits 20. The market rallies a couple percent. The VIX goes back down to 16. Right. And, it, and it's happened over and over and over again. We're now approaching this expiration with the VIX above 20 for the first time. Right. In a long time since the spring, really. And so now that backdrop's interesting because you might get a curtain pulled back to reveal something else on Monday, right? Similar to last time where it was sort of, we've now gone into this last month has been a new backdrop to the market with slightly higher vol and the VIX. And, you know, it seems more, it certainly seems more volatile intraday, right? Like the market is moving crazy, way crazy. more intraday than yeah. we've seen in like, you know, a year basically. Yeah. But we're not seeing, you know, if you just tuned in every week, you'd be like, oh, the market was down a, a percent and a half. No big deal. Yep. Right. So this curtain reveal of this options expiration is almost equally or if not more fascinating than the last one, because we have not seen that real viable capitulation type signal out of the market. We've gotten these little. Oh, the VIX is at 20. How cute. Let's buy, let's step in and let's buy some stocks. And it's actually kind of worked over the last couple of months, but you're only right for like a week and a half, right? And then it goes back and we start going even lower and we make new lows and the charts just look like this, right? They go like this. And, but now, you know, you all were just talking about solar stocks. You didn't have a chance to sell solar stocks the last couple of days, right? You don't, when that starts to happen, that's when people really reach for puts and they because they cannot sell stocks anymore. It's not orderly. Right. And that's when you see that VIX spike up to the, the high 20s or 30 or something like that. And then that's a much more like long, longer term in quote unquote, maybe to the end of the year. Maybe that's your point that signals that year end rally that everybody talks about and is waiting for. It's probably not going to be from the VIX at 1950. It's not going to start there. It's probably something, and it may happen next week when you reveal this, you know, this options expiration. A lot of these puts are going to expire. These 2300 level puts, these 2200 level puts, they're all going to get pulled back. That gamma is going to be out a month, right? Which means it's not as effective. And you might see it, right? And I mean, nobody knows, but it's it, we're going to see on Monday and Tuesday what this market is made of.
very interesting. So people are buying puts at the wrong time. Yeah, well, they buy, yeah, they buy, it's sort of like selling stocks. You buy puts when they're cheap and when they're easy, and that's generally not when they work, right? And then at some point, the market shifts, you actually do get those 3% down days or whatever. Puts do start to work, but then everybody's chasing you to buy those puts. And they're the ones that power the VIX up to 30. They're the one that capitulates the market a down 5% reversal day, you know, that sort of thing. And so once that happens, then that backdrop changes back, right? And so everybody is overhedged. <laughs> they, you know, they step back in to buy stocks, vol starts to compress, and that's when you get that kind of slow grind higher. And that's that's the only way I see that year-end rally that everybody keeps talking about. It probably has to start with everybody reaching for puts and being wrong. You know what I mean? And then, you know, the backdrop to all this is to Dennis's point. None of this really matters unless yields stop coming yeah, up, yeah. right? I saw that video. Yeah. yeah, and so like you know, and and I would even argue uh, they just need to chill, like chill the f out, right? Because if you start seeing them going the other way, that's not great either, right? And that you know, not near term, but I'm saying if you started seeing yields crashing in February, that's not a good sign for the market. That means something's wrong, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, they just need to chill. Like TLT just needs to kind of like chill and go straight. Stop going down. Exactly. Like, like I mean, this move is unprecedented. We're giving back 15 years of gains. Obviously, you've been, you know, giving the dividends and stuff off of the TLT. So, I mean, yeah. it's not totally just like you're just out. But, I mean, the, the move is in the bond market is unprecedented. This has been the biggest sell off the bond market, I believe, I've ever seen in history. Yeah. So, which is which is unbelievable. You know, we're in historic times here. Yet yeah. stocks, you know, the Magnificent Seven continues to like la la la. We don't care. So, yeah. at what and point then, in well, time so do you? The go one ahead. thing I would add to that though is like we're coming from Zerp, right? So it is shock. It's more shocking than the actual level, maybe. Yes. You know what I mean? So yeah. like you know, you look historically is five percent. You know, it's not not that big of a deal historically. But man, coming from zero to five, that's a big deal, right? And 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 the bigger problem is that people are leveraged from zero or oh one or God, two yeah. or three. And I yeah. mean, that's where the issues really lie because people are like, well, we've handled 5% interest rates before. Yeah. But have we handled them when the consumer has had this kind of debt? You know, we yeah. haven't handled them at $33 trillion worth of, you know, federal debt, not yeah. even talking about the consumer debt on an individual basis. I mean... It's not as easy to handle that. You know, it's a lot easier to handle 5% rates yeah. when, you know, the federal, you know, debt was 10 trillion or 8 trillion, not 33 trillion. Everything becomes a little bit more difficult here. So well, I just feel like at a certain point in time, rates have to go back down because I don't think anybody could handle this, these rates, you know, for uh, like for the next decade. Let's just say, let's just say Rick Santelli's right and go to 13%. Yeah. What happens to like, you know, like budgets, like the fiscal budget, because it's all going to be going to just servicing the interest on their debt. Right. Well, I thought the point you made about I hadn't been paying attention to the solar stocks and then they caught my, you know, and I think uh, like end phase, they report, I think, coming up right next week or something. And um, my solar edge reported this morning. And it was yeah. And so that was the only reason it like caught my attention. I was looking at like the earnings for next week and um but I hadn't been paying attention with the point you made. I mean, I, you could probably just pull up the Russell, like the Russell 2000 chart. I mean, yeah. how many stories like that are in there about finance, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. 
So there's so much uh, leverage, you know, solar, that's a great example. It takes a lot of money to do a solar project, right? Yeah. And it has to be 100% financed, if not more. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cece, I know you already kind of talked about this, but let's say expand a little bit more. Option expiration, of course, coming into play. What could that potentially mean for maybe Monday coming forward? Um, I know a lot of people are going to be expecting some choppy markets. It's been a tough market out there. Um, so what are you seeing here? Yeah, what, so what I'm looking for, I, you know, it's funny. I wrote an article earlier this week. Like, is the VIX broken? And the answer is no, right? So that was there was a lot of talk about um, that over the summer. You know, the VIX was 13 or whatever for a long time. And everybody was like saying, oh, are things different now? Is it because of zero DTE trading? Is, is volatility being suppressed and everything? And, you know, the VIX does, during slow grinds higher, the VIX gets low, like we saw this summer. And it actually exacerbates that grind, right? Like stocks don't move when everybody's like choking on option premium, right? And there's no worries because they're like, oh, I own cheap puts, right? So the reverse of that basically is that the, you know, this, um, we're going into this earnings week next week, right? And then you kind of remove that, uh, you know, like what I was saying earlier, that kind of support this week that felt like it was kind of holding mm -hmm. the market together with duct tape. Like this week felt very strange, right? Like it wanted to kind of, it wanted to crash. It wanted to do something, but we kept sort of banging in between those levels or whatever. You remove that, you throw next week into it with some of the biggest cap tech companies in the world reporting. And, you know, you all were talking about it earlier the one sense you try to get like early in earnings season from an options perspective is you're looking at those expected moves for those earnings and you're like do they you know are, are stocks staying within those right the signs are it's difficult i haven't done like a big study across every single symbol but you all saw tesla you all saw netflix so just for some perspective tesla's expected move on that earnings was about six percent it was down five and a half percent before they even reported that day. Remember? And then yeah, it followed through with the 9% move. So at that point, you're like, I mean, options are completely just guessing at this point, right? Yeah. And then Netflix, the other way, and you all mentioned this earlier, like you might get hammered to the upside, right? In this kind of environment. Yeah. Kind of short stuff. So Netflix was interesting because I think it was about seven and a half percent expected move or whatever. And then it was up whatever yeah. it was. It was up 50 some dollars. Now, one of the one of the trading things I was looking at, and I wrote about this in Netflix the other day, is when you see, <clears throat> let's say you're you're looking at some stocks and you've got like a shopping list into earnings season. And you know, buying a stock into an earnings as your, you know, sort of catalyst, it's, it's tricky, right? Um, <laughs> to say the least. But let's say you've seen some stuff, you're like, all right, I'd actually be an, you know, I would be a buyer of this stock somewhere near here, they're about to report or something like that. In Netflix the other day, it was a very interesting situation where the options market was so spooked for the options expiring today, actually, that covered this earnings, right? And it was um, 145 vol or something. But if you looked out into December, the options were only like 40 something vol, 
So they were almost three times higher vol wow. in, in this week than they are just like a month and a half or when, however long December is from now. And what was interesting is you could do the type of trade, a type of strategy. Let's say you're like, because Netflix chart was awful looking, you know, going into that earnings, right? It couldn't have looked worse. Sentiment yes. couldn't have been worse. It's horrible. And you got that rally, right? Now, the um, December options were so much cheaper than the than this week's that I was comparing wow. just like call spreads and like, you know, like a call spread this week versus a call spread in December. You could have basically bought the same trade actually with even more upside in December for like you're paying like $3 higher in the stock, like nothing, like basically nothing in Netflix. So you're getting all this upside farther out in time for almost Cheaper. the same price yeah. as, you know, like what you would be paying just for like a total lottery ticket that you were right this week. Now it ended up neither of it mattered because you would have made money on anything you bought, right? Because it was up $55 or whatever. Yeah. But that's the kind of interesting thing I'm looking for, like in this kind of like elevated near-term vol, vol environment is I'm looking out to December. December historically is very low vol on the chart because of the holidays, right? And people sort of expect that year-end rally and they expect those low volume type rally days, right? Where you turn on CNBC and they've got their kids on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, those types of days, right? where nobody's really working and so that kind of um those kinds of situations and so what you want to look for and you could pull up like on options ai and you could look at the ball on the chart is if you see a situation a normal earnings setup would be you know let's say the front month this week covering earnings vol is like 60. so you might see like 40 or something in normal like out a month or two or maybe like 35 maybe it's double you're going to look for situations where it's like almost triple right of what you could what you could go shopping for out in december and those are really interesting setups where you could get in for way cheaper than near term and then if you want to be really sophisticated about it you can sell options in the front month in the front week yep. to finance stuff about two months out you know but you don't even have to get that sophisticated you just know that you're buying something way cheaper than what is going on in the market right now with high ball. And you're buying time too, right? Yeah. So let's say Netflix, yeah. you know, kitchen sinks, it has a bad quarter or something. Well, okay. Well, it didn't, it didn't pay on Friday, but yeah. you know, now I can sit here for a little bit, maybe trade around the position. Uh, just excellent points here because, uh, even yesterday, late in the day, you know, with the crazy volatility, you mentioned it, and I'm like, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're up 20, down 20, you know, and you're yeah. like, and then, and then you sell off, you know, 40 handles, and you're down three handles on the day, and you're like, well, yeah. man, this is not that bad of a day. Right. And then even to late in the session, and I was waiting, I mean, Apple was green, and Microsoft was green, and Google was green, and Amazon was green, and I'm like, I'm like, they, they can't hold up, you know, because right. just of the indexing and the selling pressures. So um, now just like everything that like I'm seeing and, you know, feeling in the market, you're illustrating it here uh, with statistics. So and um, I've got one, one little thing on that day on the day trading aspect. OK, the um, 
so you know like you get you can get, even get like a zero dte expected move right like for you can see like right now i can look at options ai and it's like the the expected move for the queues today is just over one percent right the expected move for spy is like just under one percent now over the summer that used to be less than a half a percent so that's that's what's sort of changed since the summer is the summer you'd come in and the expected move in spy was barely a half a percent and it wouldn't even reach that most of the time What's interesting in the last week and a half is like you take like a Q 1% expected move. It will literally hit both sides of that expected move like three times that day, right? And then, yeah, to your point, you walk in and you're like, oh, the market was unched. And you're like, no, it wasn't if you were trading. Like that thing was, yeah. you know, like it was, it was literally like ping pong ball, you know, like all day long. So anyway, the intraday volatility thing is really interesting. And the zero DTE trading which is you know a huge part of options trading right now man those guys like you, you know they they might need to have a couple of beers tonight i agree <laughs> um that's a great outlook right there cc mentioning that because i've been talking about that on live trading also it seems like uh like even like maybe just playing a bollinger band from the bottom oh, uh, yeah. of the standard deviations and, and playing those extreme mean reversions seem to be winning there as yep. you're getting those moves all the way down all the way back up and that's definitely a way of playing it, right? Um, it's not a common strategy of playing it like that, but hey, but it, it is, seems to it, be working, right? It is a common strategy in zero DT. So what people will do is like iron condors mm -hmm. or they'll do like the market opens down, they'll do a credit put spread, the market will rally, they'll sell a credit call spread into it, you know? And then nice. they're, they're creating that band. Yep. Hey, for you options traders, you might need to rewind that, hear that a little slower because that, that's a good one right there. Always good to have you. CC Legator. And of course, if you guys haven't checked out Options AI, I mean, what are you guys waiting for? You guys see me using it. I have my account. Go ahead and check it out, team. It's definitely really interesting, especially for you options traders. If you're missing out on it, go ahead and check it out. You can get a free trial. Sign up. And I, I even saw someone in the chat. I think it was Bill saying that he's going to open an account and test it out. Do you? Oh, do you pay interest on the money in the account, sir? We do not. We are. It clears through Apex, and they handle okay. all of that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, there you guys have it. Then you got your answer, Bill. Joel, thank you for catching that one. All right, we'll have you back, like always. CC Legator Options AI. Thank you Definitely so much. give them a good call. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right, let's get back to the markets. How we looking, Joel? Uh, well, when Dennis was getting hit on those bids there, it was kind of near the low of the session. Uh, but we, often uh, is the case. Like, it's like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. You're like, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? And cancel. Should just leave all the orders. <laughs> you, you, now I turn around and sell all that stuff. Could <laughs> <laughs> you so far out. Now, we're, we're trying to rally. Uh, you know, we're a few points off the low. But, uh, the bonds are flat. The TLT's in the red. Um, man, I... I just don't have a lot of daily support in here. I wish I, you know, that doesn't mean that 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 4282 is not going to, you know, it's not going to hold and we're not going to have a great rally. But just here, and I'll just pull it up on the spies. I mean, when there's no, you know, there's just no great daily support in here. That That's, that's all I can tell you guys. Um, I wanted to bring up a conversation. I know you guys have caught this for a long time. I don't know yep. if we'll actually play too much into it. But uh, did you guys see that uh, co-founder and CEO Dustin uh, Moskovitz uh, bought some more shares? No. The Asana CEO is back, You can't AB. stop buying it. Oh, my God. <laughs> he can't stop. He's like He's addicted back. to his stock. I love the fact that the CEO, like you don't see that very. Aubrey McClendon, 
was the same with Chesapeake. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like buying his stock. He was borrowing money to buy his buy stock. stock. Like, talk I about know. CEOs putting all their money where their mouth is. Obviously, you know, Aubrey had the car accident and, and is no longer with us. But I mean, that's unbelievable. You know, like this Asana CEO. I guess he's really rich. So yeah, maybe, he put another two point seven million. When we see him so buy seven think... eight million dollars worth, we're like, oh my gosh! And he does it like once a week. I guess the guy's just really really rich, but. I mean, I like seeing the vote of confidence. Like, I, you, you think like he keeps buying it. He's actually just going to buy the whole company, Mitch. He, he might buys, as well. I mean, he buys multiple million dollars worth of stock every single week in his company. Don't you like that, Joel? There's not a lot of CEOs that do that. You know, you got yeah. Benioff talking the big game, you know, like he's on there. Oh, Salesforce, the best company in the world. We're the best. And he never, and all you see is the Benioff SEC filings are always sells, always sells, never a buy. So I love the Asana CEO for that reason. At least exactly. he's believing in his company. I almost want to buy Asana stock just because I'm like, what does this guy know? Does he know that he's just going to take over the world? I don't know. But he believes he's going to take over the world, or he wouldn't be buying as much as he is. Yeah, the sign of confidence. Uh, Mitch, does, uh, does Benzinga use it still? Yeah. I, I mean, we I, use I, it. I, 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 I call it I call it asana. I mean, <laughs> asana. it is. Uh, Dennis, go, get a free trial of it, okay? Asana. You, what does it do? I don't even know like, what they do. It's organ, it's, I mean, I'm not a very organized. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of I'm organized. <laughs> I'm organized with what I want to be yeah, organized at least you with. Admit it, you you know? know, and I'm not a messy person. But, oh, my Lord. I mean, I was on it. Uh, Fernando, when Fernando was around. Yeah, you got to use Asana. And I was just like. Asana, I mean, Asana, It was man. just like, you, you got to do like a tab. Like, Dennis. Okay, Dennis, maybe we should get Asana for pre-market prep. Because I'm going to give you tests. And then they're going to show up in your, what is it, your worksheet or something, Mitch? Help me out here. Yeah, and yeah. And then you got to, so... like, check it off if you do it. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like a... Asana, and you're going to get organized. Accountability. All these yeah. people working at home have to have accountability. HR exactly. management, right? Yeah, that's what that, it is. It's, it's HR management, right? And uh, look at... Look, 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 I, I think someone knows so all about Asana. Pies, I hate Asana. This is what keeps us... It, it doesn't allow you to go do the fun things in life. You actually have to work. <laughs> people want to, the, the, the uaw workers want a four-day work week they don't want a sauna over there yeah they don't want like, a sauna if you make 120 well, well, it, there was a sauna it was it just said strike 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 they had check mark check strike, mark check mark strike. they just had x's across it all right guys we'll wrap it up the market here what are you guys thinking option um, expiration it's, one, it's gonna be a wild open here folks i expect liquidity to be somewhat lower here so you could get some big moves off the open expect some violent moves in one direction or the other off the open right now they're all to sell side imbalances are all to the sell side that can flip it's early funny things can happen these are usually opportunities for those inefficiency traders where stocks might open too low relative to fair value or too high relative to fair value, fair value. give you an opportunity to buy a stock on the cheap or short a stock on the expensive. So, I mean, I, I play this all the time with the OPG order, opening only orders, especially on the third Fridays. When stocks want to open too low, I'll give them some liquidity. Stocks want to open too high, I'll give them some liquidity. Yeah, I'd like to shake and bake off the open, you know, come off. I'm just, you know, I'm stuck. 
the only positive sign that I can that I can see here, and it's not very positive, is that when we had that bond sell off here and the bonds went red, we made a new low uh, by a point. You know, so they're you know they they, they kind of defended the low. So I wouldn't be getting super aggressive if we take out the pre market low early. If we rally later, you know, we have like a soft rally midday, and then we just reverse and come all the way back down, and we take out the pre market low. Um, that's what I'm looking at. The bulls need a, uh, not the necessarily bulls. the bulls. We got to close over 4,300 <laughs> today. Last week's low was right there. The close from yesterday, 4,303. I mean, I would consider it like a minor victory for the bulls. If we close above 4,300. So that, that's I don't what think I'm we at. have any victories for the bulls until the TLT stops going down. It's up fine. If I look at it, the bonds, Who knows? So the maybe bond... it could have bottomed out right now. Who Let knows? Me see. That's TLT I... is my bond indicator. Maybe, maybe we just bottomed here, Mitch. It's going to happen. We're going to get a bottom, oh. but it's probably going to be on capitulation day where we're like, Oh my gosh. The TLT is down 7% today. This is it. Sell it all. And that'll be it. Then that'll be at the bottom. We'll see what happens there. I'll be watching stocks that uh, like retail stocks to see if they can get a lift. I know they've had about like two days of pullback. XRT, ETF, you guys can watch. Stocks like Macy's, KSS, stocks like that. Consumer-facing stocks. I think they might just get a little bit of some seasonality lift. KSS has not a bad-looking chart there. I'll be watching stocks like that. Uh, let's go to Joel for the guest on Monday. Who do we got back? Oh, you know what? We're going to go back-to-back with the options. We're gonna. Uh, Tim's going to be back with us on Monday. Mm. So we had CC giving us a setup uh, going in, and then uh, they're going to clear off the books and set things up for the next week, and we'll do that with uh, Tim Cross for uh, Market Structure. Nice. Uh, everyone, have a good day. I'll uh, be back with you at closing print, 3.30. Let's go get them out there. All right, Joel's getting out of here. Dennis is getting out of here. And stay tuned, team. I will be releasing uh, my video, my deep dive, guys. Don't miss that. I definitely want to get you guys that video. Um, It's in the works right now. Editing getting done. So stay tuned. Um, And just to kind of mention it, I will be covering my MTB position. But come check out Live Trading Team. It's always a fun, uh, interesting stream with us. Of course, you got Ryan Faluna, myself. We have some fun. We get into some strategy. And, of course, some trading action, live trading for you guys. So come over. Don't go anywhere. And hit the like before you hop out of here. See you next time right here, of course, Pre-Market Prep.